Let's all turn to the book of Hebrews, one of my favorites. The book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 19. We're going to go back to that here shortly. We're going to go back to chapter 6 before long. If you could please stand to honor the reading of God's word. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. And by the way, if you have a hard time standing and you cannot stand, I do completely understand it. I understand that you have a hard time standing. So it's okay. God knows your heart. So I don't want you to hurt yourself if you, if you can't do that. It's all right. It says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, We have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, which enters the inner peace behind the veil. God bless and honor the reading of his word. You may be seated. An anchor. What is an anchor? Well, there's a lot of things that are anchors. When I was a kid, the only thing I really knew as an anchor was Popeye. Popeye had anchors on his great big fat arms. One reason why I wore this tie today. I had other ties, I'm sure, that dealt with ships, that dealt with sea life and all that. I know my father had a bunch of ties that dealt with that. But to be completely honest with you, I was lazy or I didn't want to go digging through the tote that has all those in it. Couldn't find them. But I saw this one and I saw Popeye was on it and so sea life. So I, I wore that. You can even see his tattoo on his arm. So that's why I wore it. But either way, I knew what an anchor was for that reason alone. As I got older, I learned a little more about anchors and what they did and do. But I learned a lot more this week about sea life as far as being a sailor man and I saw that anchors have an interesting job a whole bunch of jobs anchors are made out of metal it's a metal device it's attached to a ship or a boat by a cable or a cat and cast overboard to hold it in a particular place by means of fluke of a fluke that digs into the bottom now, it's not just to hold it in place. Sometimes that's what it does. It either slows it down or stops it completely, depending on what kind of anchor you have and, and where it goes, and what it's holding on to. Uh, the other thing it says is something that serves to hold an object firmly. And there's many different kinds of anchors, different sizes, different types, different types of material. Some of it's made out of copper, some it's made out of iron, some it's made out of steel. And there's different types of bolts and things that comes into it. Some of it's uh, different things it hangs on to. Some made out of cement, some made out of sand, some made out of rock. It just all depends on different types of things that they wanted to hang on to. But I was reading all these different things and different types of things, uh, different kinds of words I'd never heard of before. And I studied and studied and studied. In fact, you can't see it right here, but I have a little piece of paper here. And it talks about all these different kinds of anchors. And I mean, I was reading all these, there was a type of anchor and they all look funny to me. They all look strange. There's one called a Danforth Acre. There's one called a Hall Acre. There's an AC-14 Acre. There's a Spec Acre. There's a Ned's Admir Admirality Acre. There's one called a Buyer Acre, a Union Acre, a Peel Acre. And they all have different jobs. There's one called a Bruce Acre. And that one looks like a hook of some sort, like it goes around like a hook. There's one even called a Fob Acre. And it almost looks like a guitar to me. <laughs> There's even called a Navy stockless anchor, and it's huge. That thing looks to me like it could tear us all apart. 
They're all different shapes and some are to drag onto the ground and to, to pull things in. And others are in order to pull you into a situation where the ship isn't gonna move anymore. And they all have different types of anchors and many, many, many anchors on the ships, many anchors. And every single one has a different job. I didn't realize until this week just how, I knew you had to be educated, but just how much education, just how many jobs you need in order to be uh, not just a captain, but just different jobs that have to be on a ship depending on what ships you have. Oh man, it just about made me uh, sick. There's so many uh, studies I had to take. So there are many different sizes, many different anchors, many different types of anchors, many different materials of the anchors. And the title of today's sermon is Anchors Away. Anchors Away, my lads. <laughs> anchors Away. But we all have anchors in our lives. Different anchors that sometimes we need to let go of. Many anchors that we need to have in our lives to help us to hang on to things, too. There's many different types of anchors in our lives, spiritually speaking now, because now we're going into talking about spiritual matters. There's anchors that people have that they shouldn't have in their lives. As I told you a while ago, there are, people, there are different types of anchors in Navy life, in sea life, in sailor life. But there's a lot of people in spiritual life who try to hang on to anchors that they shouldn't. They really do. They have all sorts of anchors in their life. Some that are holding them down when they shouldn't. Some types of anchors that are really keeping them from sailing in their spiritual life. God doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. Well, what is my anchor? That's what we should be asking ourselves today. What is my anchor? That's the first thing we're going to look at. My anchor is my hope. My anchor is my hope. And of course, my anchor, my hope is Jesus. Jesus should be our anchor. He should be. And we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. Jesus is the anchor we should all have to keep us in our faith. He's the anchor we should all have, but not all people do. They put their anchor on so many other faiths, so many other things. And that is not the anchor we should have today. But we'll talk about that. So let's look at our hope. Let's, what does it say in Psalm? Well, you know how much I love Psalm. Psalms. But Psalm 62, verse 5 says this. Psalm 62, verse 5. It says, my soul, wait silently for God. For my hope is from him. I sadly tell you how I try to find hope in other things at times through my life. Hope in jobs. Future jobs. Hopeful jobs. I told you before. Growing up, I wanted to be a comic book artist. There's nothing wrong with that. Wanted to be a cartoon artist. I wanted to work for Disney. Thank you, Lord, that didn't happen. Because it didn't know where, but, but you know, I always loved Mickey Mouse. I always loved, and I still do, you know the character Mickey Mouse. I always loved the idea. Of, it was a dream for me. I was such a big fan of Disney cartoons. and You know, Peter Pan, my favorite. And I loved Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid and things like that. And I always loved drawing. And I always dreamed of, because I love music, and I dreamed of making musicals or drawing all that stuff and coming up with, but you have no control over that. God knew that. God knew what my calling was. Everyone knows I dreamt about making my own comic books. I even made my own characters. I told you about it. I dreamt about being a professional wrestler like Hulk Hogan, brother. I dreamt about all that. I dreamt about being the kind of guy that could go around and act and do all these fun things. 
And then I dreamt about making animated movies about Jesus and all these other things, but that wasn't God's calling for me. His calling was me for, to use that art and that style to teach children. And I may still use that stuff in little books. That's my plan. That's my hope. And I believe God can use it. But the truth is, his calling on my life, his anchor for me, was to be here doing what I'm doing. And he was preparing for it the whole time. I was trying to sail on to other places, and God put anchors to hold me back. Sometimes we think, why is this happening? Because God is putting an anchor to keep us at bay, and we don't realize it. Like, why, why is everything going against me? Because God loves you. And we don't know why these anchors are holding us back. We're getting mad, yelling at God, like Jonah and others, because he loves you, and he doesn't want you to be swallowed by the fish of life. He wants you to be at bay, waiting for his timing. His timing is always right, and even no matter what you think. He tries to anchor you down what you should be anchored by, not by what you want, but by what he has for you. You can never outdo God, ever. What does it say in Psalm 39, verse 7? Psalm 39, verse 7. It says, Now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. That is what we should be thinking every day. But sometimes we don't. But he is what we should put our anchoring in. Romans 5, 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says this. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hopes by the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit. You know, I mentioned a while ago, I mentioned a while ago about the fluke. And you know, the fluke, you may not know what that is. It's like this little uh, flag looking thing, but it's got, a, it's a funnel is what it is. And it keeps the wind at bay, keeps the wind going through there and kind of keeps a hold back from the ship. A lot of times the Holy Spirit holds us back and keeps us where we need to be. It keeps directing us where we should be. It's like a sail, if you will. It sails us and keeps us going where we ought to be going. Sometimes we say, I don't understand. Lord, why are you holding me back? Because he's trying to direct you. He's trying to direct you where you should be going. And we don't understand that. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't listen to your own spirit, so to speak. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Amen? And we already know what it says in Hebrews 11, verse 1. One of my favorite verses. Because you know how I feel about Hebrews chapter 11. I've told you a million times, maybe, maybe, and I have to say maybe, because you know how I love just about everything. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, maybe my favorite chapter in the whole Bible, but Hebrews 11, verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we should have faith in the Lord, let him anchor us and keep us directed where we need to be. Don't be held down by the other things. Now I'm going to turn back to Hebrews chapter 6, where we started, because this time we're going to read Hebrews chapter 6, Verses 13 through 20. We got a lot of reading to do today, but it's good. It's all good. Listen to this, because I want you to see where that verse 19, or whatever verse that was, yeah, verse 19, where it all led to. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could vow by no one greater, God couldn't do that. He could, grow, could vow to no one greater. He vowed by himself, in other words, to himself, saying, Surely I will bless you 
and surely I will multiply you. So after Abraham had patiently endured, he obtained the promise for men indeed swear by a greater authority than themselves and for them an oath of confirmation ends all dispute. For God wanting to show more abundantly the immutability of his counsel to the heirs of promise confirmed by an oath so that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. I say that again. What is it impossible for God to do? Lie. It's not impossible for God to do anything but very few things. And one of them is God can't lie. That's a whole other sermon we'll, we'll get to someday soon. It is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, which enters the inner place behind the veil. This is where Jesus has entered for us as a forerunner since he has become the everlasting high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, who is Melchizedek? That's someone who came in the Old Testament and stood before Abraham, and he is a forerunner to Christ. He, in other words, is pre-incarnate Christ. He's another version of pre-incarnate Christ. That's who Melchizedek is. This is why he gets compared to Christ so often, because he's like a pre-running to Christ. That's why. So, now that we read that, I, I go on. I open up my Bible again. Okay. We need anchors in our life. But our anchor is to be none other than the Lord God. The Lord God through his son Christ, which we'll get to in a moment. But the Bible gives us a great example of why we need an anchor. And we do. We need an anchor. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We need Jesus. We need Jesus in our life. In Acts chapter 27, we see what sea life is like, what sailing is like. And we're going to read the whole chapter. And you, you go, how many verses? Is that? It's 44. But the reason we're going to read this story is we're going to see what happens with Paul when we put our faith in God. So hang on, because we're going to go through it together. But here's the, the thing. The reason why I think it's vitally important that we read this whole thing is we can see what it's like when nobody, we're all on board together, but we're not all on board together. You know what I mean? We may all be physically on board together, but not spiritually on board together. Does that make sense? We're all in this world together. But some people are of the world, and you're of the word. I know you feel that way at work. I know you feel that way, maybe even in your house. I know you feel that way, maybe in your family. I know you feel that way on the internet. You feel that way when you're at the store. You feel that way when you're watching the news. You feel all alone. I'm all alone. No, you're not. He never leaves you. You know that. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. We'll talk about that in a moment. And he's with you. But let's see what Paul did. Chapter 27 of Acts. We know Acts is written by Luke. But we also know he talked to the people. What does it say here? It says in chapter 27. <clears throat> when it was decided that we should sail into Italy. I, it's, I have a hard time saying Italy. And it's all because of one movie where they said Italy. <laughs> but when they decided that we should sail into Italy which they were going to go into Rome. It says, they handed Paul 
and some other prisoners over to the centurion um, of the Augustian uh, regiment named Julius, boarding a ship from the Adramitium, I can't say it, we boarding a ship from Adramitium, we put out to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia. Arcyticus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidian, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to his friends and being and be given care. From there we put out to sea and sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us, or Cyprus, excuse me, because the winds were against us. Sailing across the sea of uh, Cilicia and uh, Pamphylia, we came to Myra, the city of Lycia. There the centurion found the ships of Alexandria sailing to Italy, and he put us uh, on board. We sailed slowly for many days and arrived with difficulty off uh, Nidus. And as the wind did not allow us to proceed, we sailed under the lee of Crete, of uh, Solomon. Sailing past it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near the sea, uh, city of Lycia. As much time had been lost and uh, as this voyage was now dangerous because the day of atonement was already over. Paul advised them saying, men, I like this part. He said, men, I perceive that this voyage will be with injury and much loss. Not only of the cargo and ship, but also of our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but if Paul of all people was to say that to me, I'd be terrified. Paul, who is close to God, and if I'd heard that, I would be terrified. I'd be absolutely terrified. Because you know Paul knows what he's talking about. But this is what he said. So anyway, going on here, verse 11. But the centurion was persuaded more. He listens to the captain. He was persuaded more by the captain and the owner of the ship than by what Paul said. Since the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority decided to sail on from there. If somehow we might reach Phoenix, a harbor in Crete facing southwest and northwest and winter there. Now, sometimes when you try to winter in a place, uh, not only can it be deadly cold, uh, it made people sick. This is what happened with Plymouth Rock in certain places where they landed. People got sick and died. Many people died because of it. So moving on to verse 13, when the south wind blew gently, Supposing that they may obtain the necessary conditions, they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. But soon afterward, a, a tempestuous wind swept through, called the Euroclidon, when the ship has over, was overpowered and could not head into the wind. We left her drift, drifting under the, uh, under the lee of the island called uh, we'll say Kota. Uh, I have a hard time pronouncing this. I apologize. We could uh, scarcely secure the rowboat. When they had hoisted it aboard, uh, they used ropes to undergird the ship, and fearing that they might run aground on the sand of uh, Sirtis, 
they lay down the mast, and so were driven. We were violently tossed by the storm. The next day, they threw cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the tackle uh, of the ship overboard, and with our own hands, I'm going to stop there for a second. This means they were so terrified because of the weight of the whole ordeal that they were going to wreck and not be able to go. They should listen to Paul, shouldn't they? Whenever this whole thing happened, they were wrecking. They were going overboard. They were about to wreck. And the whole thing, they should listen to Paul. Paul, I think Paul knew what he's talking about, but they didn't listen. Plus which, Paul had the wisdom of God. But moving on, verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and small storm was upon us, all hope that we should survive or excuse me, that we would be saved, should be saved, was lost. Can you imagine the fear that set in? There they are at sea. And it seemed as if there was no way they'd be saved, that they would all die. So many people have been this way. So many people out at sea, feeling like they're about to die. So many people have gone through this. But let's see what happens. Verse 21. After they had long abstain from food. Paul stood in their midst and said, and you know they're looking for hope, but listen to what Paul says. In some ways there's hope here, in some ways there's not. Listen to what Paul says to them. He says, men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete. I'm sure they're thinking, thank you, Paul. I think we have figured this out. <laughs> but he goes on to say, in, incurring this in, injury and loss. But now I advise you to take courage for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and look. God has given you all those who sail with you. Therefore, men, take courage, for I believe God that it will be exactly as it was told to me. Nevertheless, we must be shipwrecked on a certain island. So God had given Paul courage, even though all this was happening. And let's see what happens. When the 14th night came, while we were drifting in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors supposed uh, that they were approaching land. They took uh, soundings and found the water to be 120 feet deep. Then they uh, had gone a little farther. They took soundings again and found it to be 90 feet deep, fearing that we might run aground on, the, uh, aground on the rocks. They dropped four anchors whom the stern and, from the stern and prayed that the day, the day to come. When the sailors strove to abandon ship, because they all started jumping, and who can blame them at this point? When the sailors strove to abandon ship and lowered the rowboat, into the sea under the pretext of lowering anchors uh, out of the bow, uh, the bow, excuse me, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these sailors remain in the ship, you cannot be saved. Because he knew they needed all hands on deck. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the rowboat and left her fall off. As, the, as day was about to uh, dawn, Paul asked them all to eat. I like this. He said, Today is 14th day that you have waited and continued without food. That's a long time. Two weeks. Two weeks without eating? I can barely go 14 hours. <laughs> but there he was, 14 days without eating. He said, 
you have gone 14 days without food, having eaten nothing. So I urge you, verse 34, so I urge you to eat. This is for your uh, preservation. For not a hair shall fall from your head. I wish I could get that promise. (laughs) Not a hair shall fall from your head. When he had said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God. That's the most important thing. What did he give thanks to? To God. He gave thanks to God. In this, in the presence of them all, he did this. And when he had broken it, began to eat. Verse 36. Then they were all encouraged. Folks, that's what people need. When they are without hope, they need to see the Christian who has the anchor of Christ. They need to see you with the anchor of Christ, knowing that you are the one they need to find hope in. You're not their hope. But Jesus Christ, your hope, is their hope. And they don't even know why. But it's true. Are you their hope? No. But he who is your hope is their hope. And they don't understand it, that your anchor is their anchor. And I move on. They were all encouraged. And they also ate food themselves, verse 37. And all we were 276 persons on the ship. When they had eaten enough... They were uh, they lightened the ship and threw the wheat into the sea. Verse thirty nine. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a shore, into which they were determined to run the ship if possible. Casting off the anchors, they left them in the sea while loosening the ropes that secured the rudders. Then they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. But striking a sandbar where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. The bow struck and remained immovable. But the stern was broken up by the violent surf. So the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners. That was the soldiers' plan the whole time. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion wanted to save Paul, preventing them, he prevented them from their in, uh, intent and ordered those who could swim to abandon ship first and get to land and rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And in this way, they all escaped safely to the land. And then you find out, you can read it for yourself, but you find out in chapter 28, the very first part of it, that the name of the land was Malta, and that the natives there were very kind to them. But, but once they get there and they start to eat, you also find out that Paul gets bitten by a, a poisonous snake, but he doesn't die, because God had another plan. And the whole point of all this is to say that many a times, though we think that we have a plan, God has another plan. We think that our anchor is correct. Our anchor is not correct. God's is. The anchor of the Lord God is our strength. The anchor is the strength of the ship. And we are a ship. And God is our strength. It says in Luke 22, verse 32. It says, and this is Jesus speaking. But I have paid for you. But I have prayed for you, I'm going to say, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have repented, strengthen your brothers. Be there for one another, just like Paul did. Be there for one another. Be the sail that they need. Be the anchor they need. Not you, but Jesus in you. We need to do that. 
And so the question is, what does your anchor cling to? What does your anchor cling to? It says in Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, See, I lay in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, firmly placed. He who believes shall not act hastily. We're not to act hastily on our own, but we are to believe and follow God. We are to know that God will take care of us, and he is in charge of us. I'll also read to you just a little bit of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. As it says this in Colossians 2, 4 through 10. Now this I say, now this I say, remember this is Paul. Now this I say, lest anyone beguile you with enticing words. For though I am absent in the flesh, because he wasn't with him in, in Colossians, Though I'm absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing in seeing your orderliness and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, and abounding. Excuse me. And abounding with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone captivate you through philosophy and vain deceit and tradition of men and the elementary principles of the world and not after Christ. For in him lives all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all authority and power. People are going to try to come in. And they're going to try to give you the wrong sails and the wrong anchors. But don't listen to them. They don't matter. What matters is Jesus Christ. He's the only one. He's the only one. And so you need to know that the anchor of confidence that you need to have, the anchor of confidence that you need to have in your life is Christ. That's the anchor that you need to have. You need to have that anchor to cleft and cling to. The thing is, is just as we said, sang the song a while ago, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. But we, my mother and I sang a song about having uh, our anchor clinging and clefting and gripping onto the rock. And that rock is Jesus, the only one. This rock is Jesus. He's the only one. Be very sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Who is that rock? The rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure. Be very sure that your anchor holds and clefts that solid rock. He's not only the rock, he's the anchor that we should have because we have the anchor of confidence in him. As it says in Hebrews 4.16, it says in Hebrews 4.16, let us then come with confidence to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And that's through Jesus and no one else. It says in Psalm 34, 18. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the contrite in spirit. He's with us when we need him. 
you need an anchor, someone to hang on to, be clipping on to, cleaving on to, 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 to be gripe, gripping on to. <laughs> Not griping, gripping. That's the problem. Too many people are griping instead of gripping. Isn't that right? We're griping and all we need to be gripping. We're putting sails in the wrong thing. We're having the wrong anchors in our lives. No. Let your anchor be the word and let it be on Jesus that we cling on to, that we, we uh, grip on to. It says in Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, and this is one of my favorites, and by the way, it's quoted again later on in the New Testament. But Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, it says, Be strong and courageous. We need to be strong and courageous in this world. Oh, this world, or they attack you for breathing the name of Jesus, let alone speaking that loud. Isn't that right? Amen. This is what it says in Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or tremble before them, for the Lord your God is the one who is going with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, this is the part that I want to explain to you. The word leave nor forsake. I looked up another version because I wanted to make it, I wanted to, I use those words a lot. But here's what I, the words I really like to use in this other version here. It says, he will not fail you nor abandon you. He will not fail you or abandon you. God's never going to fail you. He's never going to abandon you. We just talked about Paul. The ship failed them. Did it not? They had to abandon that ship. But God's never going to fail us. And he's never going to abandon us. Even through the times when your ship seems like it's going to break down and wreck into all the rocks, when the winds are hitting us every which wrong way, when we seems like our compass is going every which way but loose, when it seems like all the winds are going every which way and the waves are hitting us and everything and it seems like we're being surrounded by the surrounding sharks, when you can't hear anything but maybe a few whales screaming at night and singing and all that, folks, do not worry. Do not worry. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. He's with you all the way. As it says in 2 Timothy 2.15, 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us, study to show yourself approved of God, or workmen who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, why did I put that in there? Because sailormen, because sailormen, which you are. You're sailormen of the Lord God. Paul would not have been prepared had he not known the word of God. Paul would not have been prepared had he not been in the word. Paul would not have been prepared when the waves hit, when the storms were crashing down, when the anchors were going away every which way, when he needed to put his anchor into the Lord God, when he needed to put his anchor, his anchor was the word of God. His anchor was the word of God. And he needed to be gripping onto Christ. But he couldn't have done that had he not had it in him. So I say to you again, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved of God. Make sure your anchor is the word of God. So why do I keep saying that? Why do I keep saying it then? Why do I keep saying that your anchor is the word of God and your anchor is Jesus? Because Jesus is what? The living word. He's the living word. Your anchor is both the word and Jesus the living word. It's both. 
Jesus is also what you need to grip the anchor to. It's what you need. It's what you need. Study to show yourself approved of God. A workman who need not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of God. And also knowing the difference between the word of God and the word of man. Know it. Be prepared when the winds hit, when the waves hit. Be prepared. Have that anchor ready. Make sure it mm, holds you still when the waves are hitting. Let your anchor, your stronghold, be Jesus. Let his words keep you safe and still when it needs it. Sail onward when Jesus wants you to sail on. Let yourself move forward when you need to sail forward. But let all the other anchors of the world, let it go. Let all the anchors of the world, the worldly, the anchors of the worldly riches, the anchors of the worldly, quote unquote, wisdom, anchors of worldly, quote unquote, sciences, anchors of worldly, religions anchors of worldly quote unquote morals anchors of worldly living the anchor of world, worldly joy of worldly happiness of worldly love let all that go all these anchors of corrosion let them go this week as I studied I looked at all sorts of anchors if you saw the corrosion of anchors through the days, through the years that they were in the water, all those anchors have corroded, rust and other things, they fall apart in time. The anchor of Christ does not. Let those anchors go away. Anchors away, my brothers and sisters of Christ. Let those anchors go away. Let them go away from your life. Those anchors will go away. But the anchor of Jesus, let that anchor have its way for the rest of your life. And I close by reading Romans 15, verse 13. Romans 15, verse 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's bow in prayer. Dear precious and heavenly Father, thank you so very, very much. Thank you, Lord God, for helping us be anchored in your word and in your truth, in your Son who came and lived to show the world what to do and then died and rose again. I pray for all those who are here today and all those who are watching right now. I pray, Lord God, that you will lead them and you will guide them to do what you are telling them to do. And whatever voices are trying to tell them to do otherwise, shut it down right now, Lord. Shut them down. Shut them up. That they will only listen to you. That they will be anchored by you and your truth, your word, because you are the word. And you are the only truth. Everything else is a lie by the devil. That's the winds. That's the waves. That's the enemy. I pray, Lord God, 
that we allow you to lead us and guide us for the rest of our days. And thank you so much for allowing us to know that you're in charge. And I pray if there be anyone who does not have you or even questions their life and which direction it's going, I pray that will change this very moment. And I pray, Lord God, that you, Lord, will show us what your plans are for us or at least every step that you want us to take. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.